My name is Andy Maddock. I'm lead pastor here at Valencia United Methodist Church, uh, and it is a gift to be with you, uh, especially a year on. We were in this service of worship a year ago. Uh, Reverend Nicole preached her final sermon here uh, as our first guest preacher uh, in that cycle, and the next week honors our first Sunday in your midst, uh, and uh, so it, it's good to be uh, together with you in this time. As you have heard, as you have said, I am a big cheerleader for our Vacation Bible School process. This year's theme was Stellar Shine Jesus Light. We gathered Monday through Friday and this week from 9 to noon each day to do the work of helping, of helping the families of this church, of our neighborhoods, of our communities, helping them to appreciate a deep connection between the world and, in fact, the universe that surrounds them and all the silliness of this, the characters that you see, the, the, the Las Vegas light-up rocket ships and the, the modular pieces and all of these things, to see in the midst of that a story that would resonate and ring true with them about the work of God in their story and in their lives. A way to help them understand and identify, regardless of their age, be they three or sixth grader, how God is at work in their story and equipping them to do and be more. One of my favorite parts, I had the chance to teach the 5th and 6th graders, yes, but I also got to be Mickey Way, the astronaut, as a part of our drama each morning as we gathered together. I got to wear this fantastic hat and pretend to be an astronaut complete with spacesuit. I want you to know temptation is a real thing. Camille told me I couldn't wear it in worship, so I'm going to put it back and behave myself. <laughs> But Mickey's struggle was trying to figure out the themes of the week and allowing the kids to minister to him and to help him know how God's light was shining in him and how he could be a part of that process as well. As you saw the kids model, we do this shine Jesus light hand gesture anytime our theme phrases come up. And I just want to give you a window into where we've been. Now you might ask, why? What does this have to do with me? I haven't been a three-year-old or even a fifth grader in a number of years. Well, the reason that we spend this time this morning is because I'm a firm believer. I have a deep conviction that Vacation Bible School is not just something that this church or any church does during a few weekdays in the summer. We did this work in this last week because it is who we are as a people. It's a part of being here for good. It's a part of our hospitality. It's a part of transforming those people whom God brings to us. So we take just a minute to take a window into the week that was. Day one, we gathered and said, when life feels dark, shine Jesus' light. In the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this shining, we talked about Jesus himself saying, I am the light of the world. We told the Christmas story. And then at a time of darkness, Jesus came as light, with angelic light, with stars, with hope, with a changed world because of his presence. It was an opportunity to say to the kids of our community and our church, even when things feel dark, it's an opportunity for Jesus' light to shine in and through you. Tuesday, we gathered around the theme of, when people don't get along, shine Jesus' light. It's important to be able to confess to young people that it is not always a sense of unity, that sometimes being people together is good, faithful, hard work. We looked at the story of Zacchaeus, which we'll unpack this morning. And the invitation that came to us was an instruction from the book of Romans to live in harmony with one another in service to God. And we talked about harmony being a, a musical idea with this sense of uh, uh, of hope and opportunity, not that we would sing in unison 
and all be perfect and on pitch together, but that somehow what we contribute is a part of a whole, a part of connecting, that we find ways that it fits in, living in harmony. Wednesday we talked about, even when life is good, shine Jesus' light. We go from a pattern of darkness when people don't get along, but in there's, when there's cause for blessing and celebration, that too is a chance to give God thanks and praise. Our theme verse was, shout to the Lord all the earth. And I talked about the idea with our fifth and sixth graders and throughout that morning with the kids that it is our opportunity to shout of the goodness of God, but when we don't, we can look to the, the universe, to creation itself, because it will sing the praises. Why? Because our text for that morning was the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, particularly the story from the Gospel of Luke, which ends with Jesus being instructed by the Pharisees, tell your disciples, tell your church to be quiet. And Jesus replies, if they were silent, even the stones themselves would cry out. The light of Jesus is made manifest in the goodness of our lives. Then we talked about the idea when people are sad, shine Jesus' light. When people are sad, we have the opportunity to shine Jesus' light. We looked at the story of the crucifixion and how in the midst of the sadness and the grief of that, there is a chance for light to shine. A part of that is the forgiveness that Jesus offers on the cross. A part of that is the mercy that he shows to his mother and to John to invite them into community with each other and to find strength from one another. That even the hardest story we tell, that this light shiner that we serve is put to death as an opportunity for us to tell a story of God's light shining. Day five was when people need help, shine Jesus' light. Always a trajectory towards service and how our kids can engage the world around them. We talk about the sense of them looking to the world as an opportunity to be missional. We explored the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and the idea of letting your light shine before all people so that they might glorify God. And this Philip and Ethiopian eunuch story is about learning to tell the story of what God is doing in your life. That Philip doing that makes a difference for the Ethiopian Someone who was on the outside. Someone who was not allowed into the fullness of the worship experience. It is to that person that God sends an early proclaimer. It's an opportunity for us to see and to shine the light of God. What did I learn this week? Well, I was a student as much as our young kids. The first is we have awesome people in this church. Amazing people who gathered their skill sets, their gifts, their generosity, gave of their time that we might share this story together. I'm so grateful for our, our, our senior high youth, for the ways in which they were partners and section leaders, for the adults who gave of their time, for those who prepared snacks and shared in the energy of that time, for those who just said, yes, this matters to me. Why? Because the second thing I learned is that the people that surround us in our church and in our community are awesome people. What a week it was. We had the opportunity to serve children. And not just predictable children. These were not just kids who come from two-parent, standardized households here from the life of Valencia. There were kids who came from broken homes. There were kids who were dropped off by grandparents. There were kids who came with their neighbors and friends because their parents were working this summer and they had no place else to be. We saw the diversity of the kingdom of God in the eyes of our young people and it was awesome. And every day we invited them to tell us where they saw God. And they talked amongst themselves about it. 
They talked to their section leaders, and then their section leaders brought up the little stars you see on the posters to your right there as a symbol of the ways in which they could see God this week in the same way that you and I can look up and see the stars in the heaven. We have awesome people here who serve. We get the chance to serve awesome people, and it is because we are loved and we are known by an awesome God who showed up in our vacation Bible school week when things went well, when things did not, when technology worked, when it did not, when it was hot, when it was cold, when there was plenty of water, when there was not. All of us weighing in to share the gospel story that Jesus shines light in us. But for our worship this morning, I want to spend some time in God's Word and unpack what was my favorite lesson from this last week about people not getting along. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. And it comes from Luke chapter 19. And we're going to unpack that just a little bit today. It reads in this way. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there was named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was very rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. Somewhere deep inside of you is that Sunday school song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Right? So what does he do? He runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree to see Jesus, because Jesus was going to pass by that way. So what happens? Well, when Jesus came to that exact place, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurries down out of the tree and was happy to welcome Jesus. All who saw this happen grumbled and said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said, Lord, look, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded, if I've cheated anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. I want to make things right. And then Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is a big deal when Jesus comes to town. Jericho is a wealthy city. Jericho is perhaps the wealthiest city in the kingdom of Israel at the time of Jesus. It's a seat of governance. It's a seat where folks will own palatial homes, almost like a Malibu setting. Big homes, rich people, and it is there in the center of the wealthiest community that Jesus will come to visit. And people by droves come out to see this Jesus guy come to town. And the thing that fascinates me about the attraction, the attention that takes place in Jericho is, these are not the usual crowd. These aren't the hungry. These aren't the sick. These aren't the lame, the broken, the blind, the deaf. These are people with plenty. And yet there is something about the Jesus movement that speaks even to them. They have to go out and see the parade. And it is a big deal. They're standing shoulder to shoulder with much energy. I get the chance. Okay, so we've been here a year. I was not as engaged the 4th of July last year. But this year on Tuesday... I not only get to go to, I am in the Santa Clarita Valley, New Hall, 4th of July Parade. I am crossing things off my bucket list by the week here in Valencia. Now, I know this is not the Rose Parade, but it feels adjacent. 
I have been promised that there will be three, five, twelve, thirty-five thousand people lining the streets of Newhall. Uh, uh, preachers always exaggerate numbers. It's okay, friend. But we will gather with our hopes and our possibilities to celebrate our independence, to see signs of joy, to see people from our community. I'll be out there dressed as Tevi and riding on a float. Riding on a float, friends, with the cast of Fiddler on the Roof, which opens three weeks from now. And we'll get to go through town, and we'll get to share our story, our songs, and our hope for what's coming up. And, and each of these, these floats, these groups, these community settings that are celebrating that, much to their joy, will do the same. I, I don't expect that Glenn is going to climb a sycamore tree to see it. But if you did, I wouldn't blame you one bit. It'll be exciting. When Jesus comes to town, there is energy, there is joy. And Zacchaeus wants to be a part of it. The least likely one in the community wants to know what's going on. Luke tells his story really simply. He was the chief tax collector and he was very rich. What is parenthetically stated and is not there is, and he was hated by all. Tax collection was a dirty business. Your boss was the Romans who were putting their thumb down on your people. You were near the top of a food chain that was just sucking people dry. In a, in a commerce of human beings wherein the tax collectors that Zacchaeus supervised overtaxed the people that they were responsible for so that they could take more for themselves because then they would give the share they owed to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was charging them too much because he would take money off the top before he would give to the Romans what was owed to them. He was getting fat off the taxes of the people. And Zacchaeus' chief sin as a tax collector is he had come to the point where he sees other human beings as chattel. Ooh, I love that word, chattel. Chattel describes things that we own, possess, buy, or trade. It's our stuff. Be it technology or anything else. Anything you can hold in your hand that you can purchase or you can sell to somebody else. That's chattel. He sees human beings as that. A part of money-earning enterprises. And no doubt he would turn to people and say, Did you go to work today? Because you have to earn the money that I'm going to get. And he was hated for it. And yet this one is curious. He was a small man. Small of heart. And also small of height. And yet, in his desire to see Jesus, he shames himself. He humbles himself by climbing up this tree to look down on where Jesus is going to be. And the thing that happens with Zacchaeus is that the one, Zacchaeus, who longs to see Jesus is seen. Luke tells us Jesus stops and looks up at him. The one who wants to know about Jesus is known. Jesus says, Zacchaeus. Come down from that tree. I want to be in your house today. The one who sees is seen. The one who wants to know is known. And the whole world changes for this one silly little interaction. It's simple enough that we can package it for three and four-year-olds and say this is the word of God for the people of God. This is something you need to know. But what's at the heart of it is a tremendous social intersection 
because Zacchaeus is the most hated man in the community. And when Jesus looks up and sees him, he has every right and reason to hate Zacchaeus. We get righteous indignation and anger all the time in our lives on behalf of people we know and people we do not. We are a big fan of, how dare you? Well, this guy has been bilking the people for years. If anybody, as a servant of God, were to come before him and look with any care and concern at the people of God, the children of God that surround them, they would say, why? Why do you do this to these people? Can't you see that they're hurting? But none of that happens. Zacchaeus is not lectured. He's not debated. Instead, he's called by name. We are one week removed from a story where Jesus looked at his own mother and said, Woman, what does your request have to do with me? He doesn't look at Zacchaeus and say, Hey, you! He doesn't look at Zacchaeus and badmouth him, slander him, call him some terrible name. Identify him by what he is and who he does. He doesn't take the chance to point out his faults. He calls him by name. I have to wonder how many times Zacchaeus had heard his name in Jericho for a long time. If people talk to him at all, he's probably more likely to hear what people call him behind his back and how much they don't like him. And after Jesus invites himself to be invited to Zacchaeus. And that's what happened, and I love that. Zacchaeus, come down because I need to go to your house today. I'm inviting myself for you to invite me to your house. I love that. Zacchaeus climbs down out of the tree and is happy and honored to do it. And what happens with the crowds that surround him that story? They are so disgusted and cling to their how dare you's that their hate is tough to let go of. They can't look past an interaction that Jesus has walked past all of them who have gathered along the parade route and specifically addressed the worst in their midst. The one that they have hated all along and by right. That's who Jesus approaches. That's whose house he goes to. And they say he eats with sinners. Oh, thanks be to God for that. It gives me a smidgen of hope for all the ways in which I've screwed up. I haven't been enough. I have been incomplete. Jesus comes and he offers hope and possibility to Zacchaeus. And what do the crowds do? They judge him for his compassion. How dare you, Jesus, disappoint us with who you love and who you include? Hmm. You see why it's my favorite. Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree, and what happens is transformative because of who Jesus is in the story. Jesus is a light shiner. There is no argument to be made that Zacchaeus is not a bad guy in Jericho, and yet when the light is shined on him, it's an opportunity not for judgment, not for scorn, not for persecution, but for transformation, hope, wholeness, and healing. Why? Because Jesus is a salvation bringer. When Zacchaeus hears his name and he comes down out of the tree, 
His first response is to try and make things right. When Peter sees the tremendous catch of fish, his first impulse is to follow Jesus and to trust him. There is something about this Jesus where people can see he is bringing something that is salvific with him wherever he goes. And this salvation bringer is experienced by Zacchaeus in trying to make things right. He starts with the poor. Half of what I have, I'm going to give to the poor. Which is interesting because the poor aren't paying taxes. He's not starting with redeeming the relationships of the people who have been mistreated by his job. He realizes that if he's going to experience the grace of Christ, his work needs to extend beyond that to the people who have nothing to contribute to him or his work. And then he says, if I've cheated somebody, I'm going to give them back four times what I've taken. I told you I taught the fifth and sixth graders this last week. We called ourselves the force. <laughs> One of our sections, a hand goes up. Pastor Andy, if he's going to pay back four times, doesn't that mean he has way more money than he needs? Way more money than he ever really took? Yeah, Max, I guess that is what that means. Well, then why did he need so much more? Out of the mouths of babes. I know some people who need to talk to Max. Jesus is a light shiner, and a salvation bringer, and a table sharer. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment's time. It'll be an opportunity for us to be the people of God and to remember the last supper, yes, but to be present in this supper and in this hour to have the strength that we need for the journey ahead and to know that we are God's people. But the magic in this story, the healing does not happen in the name that is known or anything else. What happens in the context of the gospel message is that invitation to lunch. Come down out of that tree because I need to go to your house to eat today. Jesus is a table sharer, and in the time of Jesus, you don't eat with people you hate. You don't eat with people who dis you despise. You don't eat with people who are not worthy of your time or your energy. Simply inviting himself into a meal setting with Zacchaeus said to everybody who had questions around him, you need to know exactly how I see that outcast. You need to know exactly how I see that person you hate come as a light shiner and a salvation bringer and today we will share table together it's a work of redemption it's a work of transformation friends vbs has been a powerful opportunity for us to share stories just like that to get at the heart of the gospel and to offer to our families and our communities a witness to the ways in which this church for the last 50 plus years and for the next 50,000 to go into our common future together will be about the business of shining Jesus' light. Let's pray.